Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Alpharetta Tech Talk. I'm John Ray, your host, and I just want to give a little, quick little shout out to Renaissance Bank. So normally we're inside our studio inside Renaissance Bank on Windward Parkway in Alpharetta, but we're not back there yet. But in the meantime, folks, they've done a great job with small business owners, and I know this firsthand, um, around PPP loans and getting those loans uh, in place a lot of them for people that aren't even their customers. Um, so that's the attitude they took to the marketplace. And they do all this with a real personal touch. Big bank, personal touch. Uh, big enough to ha- handle your needs, small enough to answer the phone. So check me out on this. Go to renaissancebank.com, find your local office, some 200 across the south, ready to serve you, and give them a call. And I think what you'll find is you'll get a personal response. Now they may go to voicemail, but it'll go to the local voicemail, not to some place uh, three states over. Okay. So go make an appointment, go in and see them. And I think you'll be glad you did. And I say that from firsthand experience, Renaissance bank, understanding you member FDIC. And now I want to welcome Monique Mills and Monique is with TPM focus. Monique, welcome. Thank you for having me. Hi. Yeah, it's a great pleasure to have you. Talk about uh, your firm and how you help folks out there. Yeah, so my firm is 100% focused on revenue. Uh, everything that we do with helping those with their businesses, whether it's launch new products or um, create a new business out of an idea, we're focused on making sure they have revenue and the best way to get there, the quickest way to get there. Um, to make sure they have product market fit and able to create a sustainable business. You know, that's the most straightforward answer that I think I've had to that question in a while. Um, (laughs) And it's the most important problem that a lot of smaller firms have, right, is creating revenue. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in this day and age when so many things have changed with technology, with the introduction of technology. So Mm -hmm. companies that have adapted quite well, are able to do more with less. Mm. And those who haven't are still burning through cash, trying to do things the old way. And and there are ways to streamline things, Um, you know, cut costs and increase revenue. Let's talk about the background you bring to your work. We'll get it. We'll get deeper into the work you do and how you, uh, how you do that. But let's get into your background and uh, talk about your experience and kind of your, your journey that's brought that's brought you to the where you are now. Yeah, so I, I bring a long history of engineering. Um, my background is in electrical engineering, and um, I've been in the industry for twenty years. Um, and once I added my MBA to that engineering degree about seven years ago. Mm everything changed. Mm. I was like, whoa. And so from that point forward, the way I look at business, the way I look at um, creating revenue for my own self, you know, outside of corporate America has completely changed. And so that's, that's how I kind of ended up where I am now. Mm. So you've got a fascinating, um, not just educational history, but entrepreneurial history. So what, what is it about you that makes you, um, 
I mean, you've been bitten by the entrepreneurial bug, clearly. <laughs> and, yeah. and yeah, and, uh, and, and you share that with others. So, I mean, talk about that aspect of your career and your mindset. Yeah, I think that, and, and those, uh, those of us that are engineers would, um, all say this when it comes to just kind of having this curiosity and desire to constantly solve problems. Like that's what we're trained to do. Mm. And we constantly do that just in day-to-day life. And so entrepreneurship is one of those things where it's like freedom to solve problems and get paid for them. And so um, I always say that an entrepreneur is just someone who gets paid to solve problems. And that's incredible because you don't have any caps on your income when you do that. Um, And as long as I can find ways to solve problems and get paid for it, I'll always be employed. Ah. Uh, Folks, we're here with Monique Mills and she is with TPM Focus. And Monique, you uh, have founded, according to what I'm reading here, four different companies. Yes. Um, You've had your own journey along the way and everyone's journey is unique and everyone learns different things from that uh journey i mean what what do you tell the companies that you mentor now and that you work with now uh what are some of the big learning points that you share with them from your journey yeah so i would say a lot of what i know about just being an entrepreneur is of course from doing it myself But a lot of the value that I bring to my clients is, of course, I can identify and empathize with them on that level. But it's also my background in things that I've done. So I'm also a licensed realtor. I've had a real estate business for almost two decades, right, while doing my engineer while in my engineering career. Um, So I have lots of experience in regards to real estate construction. And in my career, I've done things with the feds, with the state. you know, aviation, microelectronics, you know, one of the companies that I helped, um, one of the clients that I helped recently was a biometric security company. Mm. And they wanted to do work with the, with the um, airports. Well, having, you know, having built runways with the FAA, I was able to walk them through how this would work, how you win those contracts and then make connections with my connections in that industry. And so a lot of the, um, the value I bring is, you know, I, I believe you can read a book from Steve Blank or the Lean Startup or any other book out there and like learn some of these common things um, as far as like entrepreneurship goes. However, the depth and breadth of experience that I have in different industries and how you can make money in those industries is what's unique. Now, you are a black woman in an industry that, well, just to be kind, is not full of black women. So no. I think we can safely say that, unfortunately. <laughs> talk about what talk about your experience as a black female in electrical engineering and then in the technology world. Yeah, so if you can if you can only imagine, um in undergrad, I can just start I'll start there. An undergrad and engineering degree, I was one of like three women I think in my program. Um and so just being a woman overall, you're already a minority. Um, mm. But um, I, I think the main thing is just being focused on what I'm there for and building relationships one on one. So I think with me, I've just been able to navigate by 
just building relationships with people one-on-one. Uh, I'm not looking for acceptance per se. Part of it is that um, I've always had to prove myself and prove that I knew what I was doing. So I ended up becoming an overachiever. I mean, if you look at my resume, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, and it, it's uh, like, agreed. it's just so unnecessary sometimes when I look at it, Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. But it was necessary for me as a black woman because, right. you know, no one I'm automatically discounted mm. um, just from appearance alone. And and even when building my tech startup company, you know, from an idea, um, it, I, I met Steve Case, the founder of AOL, when he came to town and um one of the things he said, he asked me to pitch my business to him. And, you know, then he, he asked me a little bit about my background and he's like, wow, see, that's crazy because you have, you know, all of this experience more than I ever had. And yet they would give the money to me versus you. And yeah. you are definitely, you know, qualified more than qualified to do these things. And mm. so, um, which is part of the basis of his rise of the rest um, tour that he has um, that he goes around the country doing. But what I'm, what I, what I'm trying to get to the point is that it's no secret that um, of course I'm discounted just based upon looks. And so unfortunately I have to lead with my resume for people to even talk to me. So, um, and then once I do that, then it's like, Oh, okay. Now they're willing to talk to me where before it was like, Oh, okay. What, you know, what do you want? Right. Um, <laughs> right. So, um, but I'm used to it. Um, you know, I've been at this for a very long time and I understand the biases and I really don't, it doesn't make me angry. Um, I've been able to build some great relationships with people who were just really surprised that, you know, we had so much in common. So now you, uh, are a mentor to, various startups and in a number of different incubators. Um, What advice do you give to up and coming black female entrepreneurs uh, that are early on in their career, or maybe those that are still in school and what that want to be in in take an entrepreneurial path? Yeah. So one of the things that I, I, I currently do is I'm a professor at GSU. I teach an entrepreneurship class mm. uh, once a week. And so GSU is a, you know, although I'm also on staff at Georgia Tech, GSU is a different demographic, right? And mm-hmm. so you have a lot of people of color, a lot of immigrants, a lot of first um, generation college students. And so I get these kind of questions and things a lot. Sure. Um, and part of it is because they've never seen anyone like me before, right? And so- um, that's why I do it. It's not like I have, it's not the money, that's for sure. <laughs> and it's not like I have a bunch of time, but I get to have impact on people who are, who would normally be around someone like me or have, ex, you know, have a relationship with someone like me. And in those conversations, actually in class one, first thing I say is get used to rejection. Be mm. okay with that. Unfortunately, that's just the realities of being an entrepreneur. Um, so being rejected every day, and understanding that you'll be rejected more than not, but the wins make it so much worth it. Um, the wins outweigh, um, the successes outweigh the rejection, um, but you have to have some resilience and push through it. Um, and, 
really through your presence and through your resilience and your persistence and also being on top of of your game, like never stop growing and learning. Um, Because when, especially as an entrepreneur and as a professional, you want to be respected first. You want to be respected. I don't want anyone's pity. I don't want anyone's, you know, I feel sorry for you money. I don't want that. Anything that I have, I've earned and, um, and I've earned that respect. So, you know, that's the thing. I want them to be respected. And in order to be respected, you, you, there are certain things that, you know, you have to make sure you're on top of your game with, but also do the best that you can not to be bruised and beat up too much by the rejection that is destined to be a part of the journey. Folks, we're here chatting with Monique Mills. Uh, she is the CEO of TPM Focus, um, which doesn't really do justice to all the things she does, but um, uh, teaching and mentoring. But we'll, there, there's always so much I could say in just a short short uh, window there. We're going to get to some more of that uh, here. But one of the things that you talk about, uh, Monique, is that the future of entrepreneurship in some capacity, everyone has got that in their future. Absolutely. So talk about what you mean by that. So what I mean by that is, um, you know, if you just look at the way things are structured. So let's just start with with healthcare, for example, and and how uh, most people's healthcare is tied to their job and, you know, how people are upset with that. Um, things such as like, you know, the gig economy, freelancing, even those that are professionals in corporate America, um, still have side gigs, things that they do. Many of them work for me. Um, and they, and they're professionals. They can do the things that I ask them to do with their eyes closed. And so, um, what they enjoy right now is kind of like, you need corporate America because we all, we're always thinking about the benefits and and the um, you know the constant paycheck every two weeks or once a month. But corporate America is, is 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 has turned into a place that's not reliable, right? And I think people are understanding that you hold your future in your hands. If you put it in the hands of a company, there's no such thing as loyalty anymore. When they need to make cuts, when they need to go in a different direction, no matter how much they like you. You got to go. And so you need to have skill, a skill set to know how to create something out of nothing. And that's what I that's what I talked about in the beginning about how once I get I received my MBA, I I did it at Georgia Tech. And I I took the um, the tract where we had to actually create a startup um, as our capstone project. So the skill set is there. I can spin up a business literally in a week. Like I know all the things to do, get it going, get things set up. Um, And so I think that everyone is going to have to learn that skill because whether it's freelancing or being a, you know, just being a member of the gig economy, you, that's still entrepreneurship in some way. And as, as I'm noticing now, because I'm in this space of people that's creating things and plucking talent from different things in order to create their businesses is that I may have a business and they may have a business and I hire their business to, to work for clients of my business. Does that make sense? Sure. So it's like, it's more of that happening where, you know, 
someone may have a business that does, you know, social media marketing. I have a client that needs social media marketing. So I'll basically subcontract them to to service my client. But I'm still that, as we say in construction, that one throat to choke. Mm, Right. So I'm that main person, but I make sure the work gets done. And so a lot of that happens, especially in the small business world of people who understand how to do this. Um, And I think it's going to become more and more prevalent as people get laid off and things become more automated and, um, you know, just companies become less and less reliable for that paycheck. What, what you've got a lot of uh, students that that might be in electrical engineering or some other uh, engineering discipline that um, entrepreneurship scares them. Oh yeah. (laughs) Right. So what, what do you, how how do you walk them out on that, on that uh, plank as it were, um, and encourage them to follow that, um, direction. I don't. Okay. And so that's the thing. I, I don't encourage anyone to become an entrepreneur. Actually, most of the time when I'm speaking to people, I'm discouraging them to do so because everything, once you get in, everything is going to be discouraging you to do so. So if it's easy for me to do it, this is certainly something that you shouldn't even leave that full time job for and risk not being able to feed yourself and your family. So you have it's almost like building a muscle. Right. Mm. And so um, I don't encourage I don't tell people they should pr- pursue entrepreneurship. But when they're between a rock and a hard place, I'm that I'm like that person, that person of reason that other people call all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, oh, you know, this isn't going right. Or I really want to leave my job. And I get those kind of calls all the time from high level professionals that that I know from corporate America. And I let them know, like, listen, you can do this, but these this is the process you you can follow to minimize failure. These are the things you need to do if you're really going to move forward with this. And by the time I get done having those conversations, a lot of them decide to stay um, where they are because there is so much more uncertainty. There's so much more uncertainty in leaving than it is with staying right now. Mm, right. But sure. these major companies, and here's another thing, as you as as folks pay attention, is that they are getting rid of full time people and bringing in contractors. Right. And so mm-hmm. if and some of them will only hire LLCs. You can't come in as as John Ray. I can't come in as Monique Mills. I have to come in as TPM Focus, right? Because the way that it's structured as an LLC, it removes liability, so on and so forth. They don't have to, you know, they don't have to worry about considering me as an employee or, you know, is this an independent contractor? It just, it just really makes things cleaner. Mm-hmm. And so as that happens more, I've seen people consider coming back to their companies and saying, hey, I'd like to be a contractor. And then that way they get to kind of play in that a little bit and still play in entrepreneurship um, and do other projects and things to grow um, and hopefully, you know, become a standalone business as it moves forward. But I don't convince anyone. I don't think anyone should be convinced because they'll be mad at me when it's as soon as they're not getting paid for a year. <laughs> which which is completely common, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. No money for a while. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Monique, uh, Let's get into product launch and and one of your areas of expertise and what what are some of the big problems that you see there among the companies that you work with? 
some of the big mistakes that are made there? So I can't say this any better than Steve Blank has said. And so Steve Blank, if, if people don't know who he is, he's um, a famous entrepreneur, I would say. Um, he, he created the whole concept behind customer development, customer discovery, which is a way of doing market research when you first have an idea. And his, his work is the foundation of what we now call the lean startup. Mm. And so I've had the pleasure to meet Steve Blank, to have dinner at his home, to have um, conversations with him, to just really, really understand um, where these concepts, right, about business even, even, you know, started, right? And so part of the, part of the, the work that has to be done to even see if a business will be successful actually happens up front, like before you even create a product. Right. And it and, and the foundation, again, goes back to Steve Blank and and customer development, customer discovery. And I can't say it any better than he says it when he says that most startups fail because they confuse search with execution. And what I mean by that is if you're sp- launching something new, you're actually searching for product market fit, you're searching for a scalable, repeatable, profitable business model. You don't have it figured out yet. But unfortunately, people, instead of trying to search and interview and learn, they start executing on everything. They're building a website. They're building the technology. They're you know, launching marketing campaigns. They're doing all of this stuff, spending all of this money, and they don't even know if there's a market need or want for what their great idea is. And if there is, who is it that, wanted or needed. And then most importantly, who's going to pay for it? Right. And all those things you can figure out, you can get really, really close to figuring out not a hundred percent, nothing is a hundred percent entrepreneurship, but you can figure that out up front. And so I see a lot of starters fail because they get out there. So exciting to get the logo and get the website and start figuring out brand colors. And this is all great when you, when you really don't even have to go all out like that. Right. You can you can start with just talking to people, um, your ideal target customers. And the number one reason I see a lot of startups either quit or fail early is because they're afraid to talk to people and they're afraid to talk to people. And you would think, hey, selling. I mean, that's just part of being entrepreneurship. No, because talking to people opens them up for rejection. And they do everything possible to avoid rejection. And I mentioned when we first started, there's no way to avoid that in entrepreneurship. Uh, that's laying it on the line. I mean, <laughs> and you are so right that that's <laughs> that sometimes we go off on a tangent on in directions we shouldn't because we're afraid of the truth mm-hmm. and what we might hear. So how do you get people that you work with over this fear? Really? So a, a couple of things, I think having done it and still do it myself, if I have an idea and I'm a, sp- and I, I can spin it up, like I said, in a week. Right. So mm-hmm. I still actively create businesses and, and launch ideas and things for myself. 
But I think that part of it is sharing with them my own mistakes and um, and those of the hundreds of other entrepreneurs I've worked with. Like, okay, this may not happen to you, but this is what happened when this company did this, right? Um, And this other company did that. And so really sharing real life stories on how it could pan out, right? Not, not, not that it will that, that way, but just giving them a, a broader perspective because as entrepreneurs, we are definitely optimistic about what's going to happen with our business and the results and the outcomes and all of that. And when they don't get it, especially engineers. So I work a lot with technical people. Some are PhDs and, and medical doctors um, with commercializing their research. And so when you're used to having like a scientific method, right, knowing one plus one is two, being able to have a formula and plug in variables and numbers and it come out to something. But that's not the way entrepreneurship works. And so when they experience that running up against the wall that way, they definitely can become deflated. So I try to empathize with them. Very, very early on. And that's why I try to share with them a little bit about my background. And so that they, and it, and it actually works. Cause they'd be like, oh, you understand me. You get me. And I'm like, yeah, I do. Um, I'm not the stereotypical engineer, right? Mm-hmm. Which is typically, uh, you know, more introverted. I am introverted, but you have to press against all of those things that just fall natural to you. If you want to be an entrepreneur, you don't like talking to people. You don't want to be an entrepreneur then. Like you just, you just have to do it. And so I tell them about my own struggles. Um, and so those that work with me, just, it, it's the connection, right? And they also know that, that um, not only have I experienced it, but I want to see them win. And so how can we move past whatever um, fears or shortcomings that you think you have? So Monique, let's talk to those that um, might be interested in working with you. What are the kind kinds of companies, clients that you work with? So it's a it's a it's a I would say a broad range, but for the most part, they are early stage companies or those that's trying to launch a new product. So you can be a established company that's trying to do something new. Right. And so when you're stepping into new territory, you can't use the same old tricks. Mm. It just doesn't work that way. Things have changed. Things have changed. I had a client that had been in business. Actually, it's been a couple. One was 20 years. It was actually a a SaaS company and they were doing SaaS online before that was the real thing to do. Uh, And and the the company came to a um, to a stall. It was not growing anymore. It wasn't doing anything. You know, by the time I get in and look at it, I'm like, yeah, because you still treating this company like it's 1992. Mm. It's 2020. And so those that are launching new products, particularly um, technology products, are the main ones that that come to me. Um, and those who you know may not have technology in their business, but actually need it in order to scale. So... I would love it if you don't, you don't need to mention names, but if you would, uh, uh, grace us with, with a success story that you're particularly proud of, uh, a situation where your intervention really made a difference. Wow. I have those kind of, 
I have those kind of stories all the time, but it doesn't feel like it's not a pat on the back to me because it's it's almost like I I don't do it. I don't especially don't do it for that. But I just feel like when they win, I win. So um, some of the companies that I work with actually come out of accelerators and incubators around the country. Um, and so when you're in that kind of environment, you have a lot of different resources. Um, typically you do. Um, but then in my role, I'm kind of like that one person that will coach them through, okay, this makes sense. That doesn't make sense. You know, that kind of thing. And so many of the companies that I work with have been able to raise money. You know, I help them with pitch decks. I help them with their value proposition, you know, all those kind of things. And so several of the companies I have worked with actually have gotten funded this year during the pandemic mm. when everyone is supposedly holding on to the checkbook, but that's not true, right? If for the right deal, there are, there's always money for mm. those companies. Um, and then also there are, um, especially here in Atlanta, we have different things, events that pretty much showcase our companies and investors come from all around the country to come to events like Venture Atlanta. And several of the companies that work with me were actually invited to be a part of that platform and have since investors have reached out to them, new customers. So my thing is, it's about building a sustainable business. It's not about just getting that big win. Yeah, I can tell you about companies that have the press release that they raised $5 million. But I also know plenty of companies that have raised $5 and $10 million that are now out of business mm. because they, they, they did not have a sustainable business model. So I try not, my thing with, with the companies I work with is great. Boom. You got the money, the, the, now, now the work really begins. Right. But we harp so much on who raised the money and from whom without focusing on, is that business model sustainable? Is this something that's of value will be of value 10 years from now? You know, is this a highly competitive space that someone else has really already cornered and is, 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 you know, in, in the process right now of being acquired by Salesforce. Right. (laughs) So, so you know how that, how that works is so unpredictable, but this is the thing. Not everyone can be a unicorn and that is okay. And that's Mm. why we focus on building sustainable businesses, not just having that. I want to become a unicorn. Unicorns are called unicorns for a reason. They don't actually exist. Like they're made up. Right. So, we we do we see a few of them actually you know pop up here and there but i think the focus so much has went on raising money and becoming the next facebook that people lose focus and even give up on businesses because they don't see it becoming a unicorn monique mills folks she's dropping wisdom bombs here if you choose to listen um yeah that was that was terrific uh monique i mean you you either encouraged folks or saved folks, depending on their situation, thousands of dollars with that advice. So, uh, thank you for that. Um, this has been great. I could keep going, but, um, you got to go help somebody I'm sure. So let's, yeah. So let's, um, uh, though I'm sure that folks that might've heard, uh, some of what you've had to say might like to be in touch. Let's tell them how they can do that. Yeah, absolutely. You can reach me through my company at tpmfocus.com. 
Um, you know, I'm also on LinkedIn, Monique Mills, MBA PMP. I had to put those acronyms on the end because there's so many Monique Mills that I had no idea. Um, so yeah, you can find me there. And um, I'm, I'm always, you know, available. I do respond to messages. And so I look forward to meeting whoever wants to reach out. Monique Mills, folks, with TPM Focus. Uh, Monique, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, folks, just a quick reminder that if you've got some headaches in your business that involve administrative tasks, uh, bookkeeping, uh, maybe some graphic design work that needs to be done, you know, and you're spending time on that and you shouldn't be spending time on that, maybe Monique is gotten after you about that. <laughs> well, I've got an answer. It involves picking up the phone and calling my friend at Office Angels, SES Cabido. Just call her, 770-442-9246. If you're shy, go to her website, officeangels.us, but just give her a call and explain your problem. And what she'll do is she will find the best angel in her uh, heavenly team of angels that will fly in and they'll get the job done and fly back out. And they'll do it on an ongoing or as-needed basis. And they've been doing virtual work for 20 years. So a pandemic does not scare them. Um, she is, uh, I work with her, do, uh, I'm a client of hers and, uh, endorse her myself. So, uh, officeangels.us, SES Cabido, and tell her that I sent you. Folks, just another quick reminder that you can find our show on all the major podcast apps by just searching Alpharetta Tech Talk. And I would love it if you would go find the show on your favorite app and give us a great review. And it's really not about us. It's about our guest. And what that does when you give us a nice review is it helps others find the show so that they can find uh, great business leaders like Monique uh, and might be able to use their uh, services, their wisdom. So um, if you could do that, we would greatly appreciate it. So for my guest, Monique Mills, I'm John Ray. Join us next time on Alpharetta Tech Talk. <music>